You are listening to the sermon podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Church in Savannah. We are an Episcopal congregation in the Diocese of Georgia, and you can find out more about us by visiting www.stmichaelsavannah.com. Um, did y'all know that all the sermons that are preached at St. Michael's are available as podcasts on iTunes? Are y'all aware of that? Do y'all even know what podcasts are? No. Okay. We got a mixed bag there. So uh, what that means is if you have an iPhone or other similar device uh, and you go to iTunes uh, and sign up for it, you can just get delivered directly to your iPhone or other device every sermon that we preach here. Just it will come automatically and you listen to it whenever you want. I'm really excited about that. If you don't know how to make that happen and you would like to, uh, just come see me. It's really easy. Uh, I will show you how to do it. We actually had a couple of people after 8 o'clock uh, sign up for our podcast. So um, I have some expectations for you all is what I'm, what I'm telling you there. <clears throat> now, one of the things that I discovered in setting up this arrangement with iTunes to do this is that they have a long list of demands and criteria that you have to satisfy before they will accept anything that you post there. They're very, very particular and very picky uh, about things that, to me, seem unimportant. So not only does every, um, everything, every, every, every episode, uh, every sermon, not only does it have to have a, a title, it has to have an expanded title and a subtitle. And if you don't give it these things, they won't take it. Now, I have long lamented my own inability to name my sermons, to title them uh, ahead of time. Uh, I am envious, I will admit it, of clergy who have signs outside their church with the sermon title, sometimes days or even weeks before it's preached. I do not know how they accomplish this. Uh, I cannot do it. Um, but this podcast thing has forced me to be able to come up with some kind of title expanded title and then subtitle uh, to apply to them. But, but I have the benefit of either having already preached the sermon or listened to it. Much easier to title things after the fact uh, than beforehand. However, I do have a title for today's sermon already uh, b beforehand. And uh, I think it's one that you're likely to remember. So <clears throat> the title... Uh, for today's sermon is God has a really huge butt. I remember that. You will remember that, won't you? All right, hang on. Don't get up and walk out yet. Um, <clears throat> God has a really huge butt. Now I need to test your memory and knowledge of uh, either right one or of the 1928 prayer book. I know that this will leave some of you out. Others, however, you may now be elated. Um, the, the old language of our service has a much longer form of confession uh, than the one that we just said together. And no, no cheating, no looking in the book to find it. Um, so those of you who can recall this, help me out. It starts out, Almighty and Most Merciful Father. We have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much 
the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. I'm losing you. You're, you're, come on, stay with me. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And in the old prayer book it said, but. And not, in the old prayer book it said, Ermin, and there is no health in us. Now that's not in right one. We took that line out, and there is no health in us. Do you know why? Because it's not true. And it's terrible theology. Amen. Right? We, remember, we are an incarnational faith. We say that Jesus took our human nature upon him and transformed it for all time. That means even us got transformed way back when, 2,000 years ago, by the glory of God incarnate. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld its glory. So for us to say that, on the one hand... And then say there's no health in us? Well, that's just not true. There may only be a little bit. Uh, maybe just a little bit, but there is some. So we, we, we yank that line out. Now it says, uh, we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. We have done those things which we ought not to have done. And Murray, what's the next word? But. But. <laughs> but thou, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. We hadn't done what we were supposed to. We did what we shouldn't have. But you, God, have mercy on us. Now also, uh, in, in, in the older service, we don't do it here at 1030. We did do it this morning. Uh, right before we come up to the rail for communion, we have another long prayer that we say called the prayer of humble accents. Who, who, who can help me with this one? We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. There's the but. We've done what we shouldn't have. We didn't do what we knew we should. Because we can't. We might want to. We might try really hard. We never quite make it. But God is the God who always has mercy. We're not worthy to come to the table. We're not worthy even to pick up the crumbs from underneath it. But, but God still invites us. That is the huge but that I was talking about in the title. Now, um, if, if you understand anything sort of about grammar and rhetoric, uh, you know what the function of the word but plays when it's in the middle of the sentence. When it connects... Uh, two clauses, two independent clauses. What does it do? What role does it play? It's a conjunction. That's its title. What does it effectively do? It's a counterpoint. It's a counterpoint. Thank you, Murray. <laughs> what it means is it wipes out everything that comes in front of it. If I were to say, 
You know, I love Murray. <laughs> but he drives me crazy. What did I really just said? Murray drives me crazy. Because that word but did away with everything that came before it. If I, if I really thought that way about Murray, what I would say is, Murray drives me crazy. But I love him. <laughs> you, you hear the difference? Yeah. That but that coordinating conjunction. That's Jesus for us. We couldn't do what we should. And we did things that we shouldn't. And because of that, we're really not worthy of God's love. But God chooses to love us anyway. Not because of who we are or what we did, but because of who God is. Because of what God has done. If you, if you look again at the gospel passage for today, Jesus is talking to his followers about really some terrible things. Pilate, who was notoriously violent and uh, brutal as, uh, as a governor, uh, <clears throat> apparently killed some people while they were at the temple offering sacrifices. In a, in a horrific way, he turned what was for them uh, a comforting and hope-giving and life-giving religious ritual into a bloodbath. And Jesus said, well, do you think that, that those people were any worse than anybody else? Of course not. And then he says, or, or the people, that the, the, the tower and the wall, that when it collapsed and it fell on them and it killed 18 of them, do you think they were worse than everybody else? Now, the only reason Jesus is asking this is because that's what people were saying. We, we, we love when bad things happen. We, we love to figure out the reason that it did. Well, God did this for some reason. And perhaps he did it because those people deserved it. Perhaps that happened because they were bad. And what that lets us do is then say, well, whatever else I've done or haven't done that I should have, at least I am not as bad as that. We talk in the season of Lent about this being a season of repentance, and Jesus says to them, these people didn't die because they were any worse. They weren't. You're not any worse or any better. He says, but if you don't repent, you're going to die the same way they did. Now, we like to take that word repentance and make it be about, well, let's be better. Let's behave better. Let's do those things that we should have done and stop doing those things that, that we shouldn't have done. But that's not how it works. If that's all it took for us to achieve our salvation, for somebody to be good and upstanding, that would have happened a long time ago. But as we say in the collect for today, God knows that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. We're not ever going to be good enough or worthy enough to do that. We, we simply can't. And the, the word that Jesus uses to talk about repentance really has to do uh, with changing the way that we think. It's about thinking differently than we did before. It's about seeing the world 
differently than we did before. It's about allowing our minds, our worldview, our understanding of us and God to be completely turned inside out and turned around by God's grace. It may well be that those people died thinking the same thing that everybody everybody else thought. We must have deserved this. And I think maybe what Jesus is saying to us is stop thinking that way. Repent from that kind of understanding of who God is and how God behaves. You may think that other people deserved it. You may think that you deserve for bad things to happen to you. Jesus says if you don't change your way of thinking, you're going to die thinking that way. But we don't have to. Because God has a but. (laughs) Whatever we did or didn't do, however worthy or unworthy we think we might be, in Jesus, God wipes that all away. And instead offers us in its place a new way to see the world. A new way to understand God and our relationship to God. A new life of grace and mercy. It's not based on who we are or what we did or what we didn't do. It is instead based on Jesus and in his life in who he is, and in what he has done. And in him, we are worthy to come to God's table.